The flyover state sports show is for a mature audience. It contains strong language and adult situations. We do not own the rights to any audio of the podcast. Viewer discretion is advised. Is this on? Welcome back to the Fly of the State Sports Show. I'm your host, Sam Long, joined by the normal compatriots, Gavin and Beans. But we have a very special guest today. We have Beans, his compatriot, his friend, his other words for those two that I cannot think of. We have Father J. Burroughs in the house, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for the applause. It's the most applause I'll ever get. The rest of Didn't. my life, so I really appreciate that. <laughs> Does your middle name really begin with a J? Yeah, we talked about this. We did? Yeah, you're the one that guessed right. it correctly. Ooh, can Gavin and I take oh, a yeah. request quick? I love this. It's got to be weird. It I'm is going not with Joseph. Ja- I'm going with ja- Jaquez. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I... Yeah, no. <laughs> He's just gonna leave it. You, you want to give us your social security? Give us your social security number too while you're at it. Here. <laughs> nah, <I'm good>. yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't get a whole lot out of that. Same. <laughs> All right, beans. How about you introduce our guest? We're gonna start with him today, as we love our guests on the show because they carry us through the off season. <laughs> Well, this handsome young man to uh, above me, he might be in a different position on the YouTube, but above me, uh, I think he might claim me as his boss. But this is uh, Tyler Burroughs, uh, who is a Division One football official, right? Mm-hmm. And then he does basketball. What else do you do? Flag football. Name everything that you just do. Name everything. Like everything uh, sport, do. Sporting wise, just name it all. Like, Give me your resume right now while you're here. Okay. Right now. Um, Yeah, I want to hear it. Well, unfortunately for Caleb, he works in the same office as me every day. So if you wonder why he does his podcast and why he probably drinks, there you go. Um, Mazel tov. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, On top of that, uh, my side gigs that pay to varying degrees nicely. Uh, I work currently in the Big Sky Conference as a football official, uh, Division I FCS Conference. Additionally, I work men's college basketball, uh, NAIA, JUCO, and Division II, all in the Midwest. Um, and then the part of life or the season that I'm in now is I'm also a supervisor of officials for um, a conference in NAIA for women's flag football, um, which that's I know it's unique. Uh, KCAC is one of two conferences in the nation that sponsors that as a varsity sport, and I'm the supervisor of officials for it. So as you can tell, a long resume of just sports. You know, you do everything that seems underneath the sun and most of it dealing with officiating. What made you want to go into this like career field, you know? Um, so I was a baseball guy growing up. I, I played. That's the only sport I played, really. Uh, I was one of the victims of the era of specialization as a, as a child. I really wish I didn't, but I did. 
don't get me wrong, I still love the game of baseball and I will cherish that forever. But then when you go to uh, a Division One school and you have to come to terms with the fact that you're done playing the only sport that you've ever played your entire life, you look for other avenues. Um, so my avenue was I want to work around sports. So like the first week of classes, I go to the rec center on campus looking for a part-time job, end up working uh, as an intramural official. And it, I was hooked. Like I, I just fell in love with it. Started with officiating intramural flag football, went to intramural basketball, softball, soccer, you name it. If it was an intramural sport that was officiated by students, I did it. Um, How much did that I, pay? Oh, boy. <laughs> that, is, that is a fucking jarring question right there, man. He's yeah. pocket watching right now. <laughs> How much did that pay? Like, is honestly. My current job? Okay, so, so here's, here's the funny part. I will... I don't know the exact number of when I started. What I do know is later in my uh, college career, um, I was making more as a like student supervisor than a lot of current campus recreation students I know of make today. And granted, I graduated in 2013. So 2009 to 2013, I was making wages better than I also used to work at Kansas State University. I was making better wages than the students currently make at K-State in, in that wow. time period. Um, small private school. Funding's a little bit different. Um, but still, just to put it in perspective there. So it was it was a decent gig, right? It was decent money, and I was around sports, and I got hooked on the officiating thing. And because I'm just naturally like... Uh, borderline unhealthily competitive, mostly with myself, <laughs> which is fermented into this lovely thing in my 30s called anxiety, um, <laughs> which we will talk about that later. I got addicted to it. Um, never played football. I played like maybe a season of peewee. I never played organized wow. basketball my entire life. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, I literally only played baseball, um, at least organized competitively besides that one season of, you know, fourth grade, fifth grade peewee football and zero seasons of organized competitive basketball. And I love working in both of those sports. Um, so after doing this now, like being an official, mm -hmm. I'm sure when you were younger, you used to yell at the refs. Do you ever look back differently now than you did, you know, than you yes. think? So the first non-intramural sport I got into was baseball. Obviously, you know, playing baseball, I umpired like youth stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. When I was in Omaha, uh, I guess that gives it away. I, I went to Creighton. That's I forgot. I never really mentioned it. That's the oh, undergrad school I went to. Yeah, go Jays. Um, so I'd spend. They're summers. still living in the Doug McDermott era. His dad's still the coach. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. Uh, uh, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah, I, I worked baseball games, and then I would come back, and if I was at home, I'd work a handful of summer league baseball games as well, umpiring. And I remember very fondly a uh, guy that was helping me find games back home made the joke of, you know, I should start you at this rate. And then once you've ejected as many players as you personally were thrown out during your career, then you'll make this right. <laughs> I was kind of a turd uh, when I played. Uh, 
spill the details about how you got ejected. I was little. Like I didn't. I was a little guy, right? I didn't break a hundred pounds until the summer between junior and senior year of high school. So think about that. You got this little sub one hundred ginger kid <laughs> being super competitive in baseball. Of course, I was a jerk. Like, of course, yep. I was a little turd. Uh, <laughs> Most of which was, in, in, ironically enough, it was very rarely because of like me beefing with other players. It was almost always because of stuff I would do or say uh, to umpires. Uh, the one I remember most fondly was just homeboy was struggling behind the plate, right? And uh, didn't like called strike one, fouled off the next pitch. Felt like the third pitch was going to be called strike three based on where the first one was. It wasn't. Fourth one is like a good two fist stack below my kneecaps. Rings me up. <laughs> I just wow. Back, I rest the bat on the ground. I re grip it like a golf club, and I Tiger Woods swing, and he just runs me. <laughs> I deserved it. <laughs> I'm, Calm as ever. Don't say anything. Walk to the bench. Start putting my stuff in my bag. One of the team parents is standing next to the dugout. Why are you packing up? It's the fifth inning. Oh, he just threw me out. You didn't see it. Wait, really? Stands up. Hey, Blue, you suck. And <laughs> it ends with every single person on my team getting ejected. Wow. <laughs> no way. It's no, my little brother, who's six years younger than me, is keeping the scorebook. He's like, do I have to leave? <laughs> now, that's leadership right there. Uh, so, uh, did the coach get did the coach get rung up, too? Oh, it's my dad. Of course he did. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. I'm 17 years old. I've got an 11-year-old brother keeping the scorebook. I got my dad. Uh, just, just. Everybody. He goes, everybody on this bench, you're done. Game's over. Wow. Okay. No kidding. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, so, so he just rang up the entire bench? Like, yep. pe- like people are just sitting down doing nothing? He's just like, get the fuck out of here? Well, they weren't doing nothing. <laughs> 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 I, I, if I'm going to incriminate anyone, it'll be myself and no one else. <laughs> a lot of things were said. Um, some people did leave the bench to voice and show their displeasure with oh, the man. collection wow. of decisions that were made. And uh, rightfully so. They just, <laughs> you know what? We're done. Okay. You know, looking back on it, I respect the heck out of that guy. Like, <laughs> That's a ballsy move. Like, I deserve to be thrown. The dad deserved to be thrown. Two or three players right off the bat. Absolutely deserve to be thrown at that point. <laughs> we're done. We're done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's a good point. Like, uh, whenever the integrity of the game starts to change a little bit, like before you wouldn't think like you're changing the perspective of the game at all. Like it's no longer baseball at that point. Now doing this, like off to the side and stuff, you're kind of like, you kind of see a different aspect of it. Like what, what do you, do you see that like that thought change for you? Like the thoughts of the game and like how it should be played. Um, you know, so, and that's where like my experience or lack thereof really, 
makes things interesting. Because like with baseball, lack of experience. Well, just hear me out. Okay. Um, with baseball, I played. I was a catcher. Yeah. I was yeah. also a middle infielder, but predominantly. Mind you, this guy. Time out. You're like six foot four, and you're a catcher. I'm not six foot four. I'm, no, I'm okay, six you're like six. Good day you're six shoes. one, I guess. But when you, when you wear the right shoes, man, you're taller. And when I met five eleven energy. No, when I met you, when I met you, he told me he told me he was a catcher, and I was like, no, you're a pitcher. <laughs> you're <No>. you're not. <laughs> That's shocking to me, but um, so anyway, uh, as a player, then umpiring especially as a catcher, like I had the understanding, right. Of like the unwritten, the unspoken rules and how players, especially catchers and pitchers um, approach the game. So that helped me in that aspect. You know, I always went out of my way. I liked working the plate. I was, I was a lot better behind the plate than I was in the bases. I had too much. I I agree in the bases. I had to be behind (laughs) the plate calling pitchers. Um, Behind the plate is so much better. You get, you get to control the game and you call more plays. Yes, exactly. Um, so, you know, I, I was good at developing that rapport with catchers and through the catchers, pitchers and other players. Um, so, like, my perspective of the game for baseball didn't really change as an umpire. All it did really was I was a different part of it and I understood the rules more because I had to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, for basketball and football, that's where things were weird for me because um, I didn't watch a ton of pro basketball and I watched a little bit of college basketball growing up, obviously more so as I got closer to college age and definitely while I was in college, you know, I went to Creighton, a basketball school. Mm -hmm. Um, So my perspective is purely as an official, you know, I'm, I, I just know it based on the rules I learned. I know it based on from the officiating perspective. So I didn't have to unlearn those bad habits or misconceptions about rules that a lot of players or former coaches might whenever they get into officiating. But at the same time, I also didn't understand some things about the game. Like I, I to this day, I still struggle and I try to educate myself with like, you know, what type of offense is this particular team running and how do, how do I adjust to that? Um, I didn't understand those things when I first got into officiating football. I was in the middle because I watched a lot of football growing up. Um, my dad was a big football fan. I was a big football fan. I just didn't play because I was tiny. I would have died. Like I was such a small <laughs> kid. I would, I would have so much CTE now, which would just further mess up my already. No, it's not CTE. It's Antonio Brown brain, ABB. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh Jesus Christ. But <laughs> what I'd understand, you know, defenses, offenses, stuff like that for football, I just, I didn't have the perspective as a player. Again, purely as an official. Um, so it just presents some challenges, especially whenever you talk to coaches. Um, when I talk to basketball coaches, and I've gotten better at it, but there's definitely a, a translation, a code switch, if you will, of during a timeout, I'm talking to a partner of mine about a certain play. We use different language than if a coach wants an explanation um, because they don't, they don't speak rule book. They don't speak mechanics. They speak their own language. Right. And that's where me not being a former player or coach hindered me at the beginning um, in a way. Uh, so it's definitely, that's the perspective change for me of, I have an idea of how the game should work football and basketball wise 
from a predominantly officiating standpoint, but from baseball, it was from a player turned official uh, standpoint. So that one's a bit easier, I guess. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, no, and yeah. that was really great. Actually, Tyler, I think that uh, gets really interesting. You talking about the unwritten rules of the game? It kind of goes along with one of the things I wanted to ask you because there's a bunch of calls. Um, I know football really, really well. Uh, basketball a little less so, but there's always the calls where they're, they're the ones you see debated on ESPN Monday morning. The catches, the holding calls, and the first one that comes to everybody's mind is the holding call in the Super Bowl that everybody talks about afterwards. How how do you view something like that as a referee, especially as a referee that didn't play much, where you can look at it and say, like, objectively, it probably is holding. But when you look at the other factors that go into it, timing in the game, et cetera, how do you view something like that? So I'll start and I'll preface by saying this is based on my experience at sure. the levels I've worked up through. Um, while it is a goal of mine uh, to work at the level where, you know, maybe one day you guys are cursing me out on TV on Super Bowl Sunday. That'd be great. I'd love, I'd love, I'd love nothing more. Um, but a few things, well, I'll keep it to football right now just to keep it um, there. So for starters, as a fan, as someone that watches the game, I completely understand the whole like, oh, you know, the concept of let the players decide the game. Right. The concept of we we don't want to intervene. It's it's an entertainment product. It's competitive. It's fun. It's it is what it is. Um, and I will say, at least in my experience for football, there's this. And this has been the case at every level I've worked. And it's the if in doubt, it's legal. If in doubt, it is positive. Um when we get graded in our games uh, at the division one level, when I got my games graded at the division two level, there's numbers associated with every single play. Um, just a little perspective into what goes into football officiating at the college level. Every single time that I throw my flag, I have to, after the game, input a report. Quarter, time, team, number of person who committed the foul, what foul did they commit? What did I see on the field and why did I decide to throw my flag? Um, every single time my flag comes out of my pocket, even if it ends up being picked up because other information wow. is brought by other crewmates, I still have to input it. All those plays are graded. The entire game's graded. Um, but every time we put something out there, it gets graded. Anytime there's any sort of something that's off, maybe I don't throw a foul. Maybe there's a weird play where I rule X because of Y and it's kind of funky or tight, I might put that into this report as well. Um, and that's immediately after the game. So if you ever see football officials like writing stuff down on a card, we're keeping track of timeouts, scores, media timeouts, stuff like that, and little notes of like, hey, remind 75 that he needs to skip, scoot up and get on the line a little bit. It's We're also writing down those details. Now, we're not writing down the description because that would take forever and you just got to remember mm -hmm. it. Um, but so there's a lot riding on it. Every time you throw your flag out there, you're guaranteeing that play is going to get looked at. You're guaranteeing it's going to be very scrutinized by the folks in our um, conference grading it. And every play is graded. And 
in our grading scale, a no call or a foul happening that should have had a flag that we did not have a flag on is actually a whole point on the grading scale higher than if we throw a flag and it's not there. If so I, you're if penalized. I, so you're penalized more for throwing your flag, right? Incorrectly, yes. Yes. Okay. So like if you the, uh, incorrectly SAT put a foul on something, it's yeah. worse for you than mm-hmm. missing if, within reason. If you miss a blatant punch after a play, that's different. Yeah. Right. If you miss personal fouls, that's mm-hmm. different. Yeah. But missing a marginal hold, a marginal false start, a marginal DPI um, is graded better than throwing on a play that's not a foul. Because um, the overall aspect of officiating for football, by and large, and again, collegiate level, is we only want to assert ourselves when it is necessary for the game in some way, shape, or form. Now, one of the ailments of that system, especially at the college level, is it's really hard to make that consist- truly consistent nationally because there's how many different FCS conferences, there's how many different FBS conferences, mm-hmm. and every single mm-hmm. one of them has their own supervisor, has their own standards, has their own graders, makes things different, right? There is a national coordinator. They put out training tapes and stuff like that to help with consistency. But at the end of the day, when you have, like, whenever my stuff gets graded, it's not getting graded by the national coordinator. The national coordinator doesn't make my schedule which means he doesn't have really any effect on, at the end of the day, the game checks, right? Mm-hmm. I do what my boss wants. So if my boss wants this, but you know, I'm talking to somebody who's a mentor of mine and his boss wants something different. Wow, that's crazy. So, you, so do you think like, um, you know, you're going to get a different result from a, an official on the West Coast than you are on the East Coast? Like, and I know people want consistency. Mm-hmm. Is there a possible there is there any way to make that consistent? Like finding officials, making it full time. I know you can't really make collegiate officials full time, but NFL officials, uh, you know, MLB officials, you know, some people have issues with these guys being full, uh, insurance salesmen in the spring or summer or whenever. And they come out here in the fall and then they're determining these games and there's no repercussions for it other than the grade. Uh so at the pro level, there is more than just the grade. Um, okay. It does have impact on uh, future scheduling, has impact on the playoff assignments are mm-hmm. much, much more analytical, much more data-based at the pro level than they are at the collegiate level, in my experience. Um, yeah, some things go into it. Ex- Plain a simple experience, you know, tenure, team's comfortability. How many times did you work X, Y, or Z team during the year? Uh, which they that there's such a high level of making sure officials only see teams so many times, uh, which is a lot easier to do in football than is basketball. Um, and you know, I, I know there's always been an argument with the NFL on why aren't they full time? Well, there's 17 games in a season. They play on either Thursday or Sunday or Monday, sometimes Saturday. So the officials work once a week. And from personal experience, I can tell you that I work a lot on my officiating stuff 
on top of the full-time job that I have <laughs> in the same office as Caleb. <laughs> and Sorry. the guys that work professionally, <laughs> uh, they, I mean, compared to what I do, they make me look like a chump, right? So making them full-time wouldn't change anything. The one thing it would change is it would take away a more consistent and safer income stream for those officials. Because at the end of the day, not really as public, the NFL's fickle. There's been a lot of people that are let go after two or three seasons. You could get hurt. You could... There's so many different variables where you could be on the top of the mountain and then all of a sudden you're staring down possibly not being a football official anymore for a variety of reasons. Whereas your, as Caleb said, your insurance sales job <laughs> got benefits, you're still going, right? Direct director. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Like <laughs> <laughs> Jesus beans. Uh, but circling back to the question, Gavin, um, you know, and this, and I, I say this carefully. Sure. I understand where the fan perspective comes in of do not, you know, let the players decide the game. However, consistency is key. And consistency means even if it is the last play of the game, if we have been consistently penalizing that type of action, okay, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's the first quarter or the fourth quarter. I think where a lot of people got rubbed wrong is they felt that that type of action was previously not penalized in the game. Right. And then yep. it was later at a seemingly... Oh, not, not even seemingly at a the most crucial aspect part, point of the game, um, because in a vacuum, yes, by pro football yes. standards, that is a yes. But that's where, <laughs> that, and I understand where fans get hung up. But one thing, and I and I'm gonna lie because I try so hard to understand both, right? I more often than I have caught myself being a sort of ref apologist, if you will. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, but I think, and I think this is most true. It's, actually, it's, it's true for all the major sports, pro sports. None more so than the NFL. We're in a lose. There's no winning for anybody. The NFL has the largest viewership in the United States. It's it makes the most money. It puts more butts in seats in stadiums, has more money being bet on it. And with all that comes this fanfare, comes these huge stadiums, comes 28 different 8K streams per game. So when that one play is missed, and by missed I mean the 1.6 billion people watching it in 
one thirty second of normal time slow mo see that he actually did step out of bounds. How could you miss that? We're we're never going to be satisfied as fans because there's so much. There's so much money. There's so much spectacle. We can sit in a chair in the comfort of our home and judge from afar. And you you know people talk about replay, right? Well, you know we have replay. We can get it right. Can we though? Can can we get it right? Because if we want to use replay to make sure everything is absolutely correct by the letter of the law, then we go back to the well. Now they're now you know everything's just nitpicky. And I think the two different uh, catch versus no catch calls show that even more so. Because I think the best argument in the Super Bowl was made comparing those two catch reviews: the uh, Dallas. Goder. No, the Goddard, yeah, Goddard, over the shoulder, Goddard, yeah. Goddard, yeah. Uh, Devontae yeah. Smith going to the ground. Yeah. One of those felt like it was a catch. One of them didn't, but the ruling was flipped. Right. Like yeah. as, a, as a fan, the Devontae Smith one felt like a catch. It looked like a catch, but it wasn't. By rule, correctly ruled, wasn't. The Dallas Goddard one didn't really feel like it, but it was ruled a catch. So you could even honestly say a third one there too. the one on uh, the swing route with, was it Kenneth Gainwell off the to the side, the fumble where Bolton was called back. Um, why does the yeah. positioning on the field change the perspective of the call? Like Goddard going out of bounds is fine as long as he has two feet. But if Kenneth Gainwell has two feet down an open field, why, why is there such a big difference there? Um, Oh, it was Miles there. Sanders? Yeah, I think so. Oh, okay. All right. Anyway, sorry. Eagles so running fine. back. Fine. Uh, the difference there, and it, it's just an unfortunate byproduct of just how the rule is written. It's about how the game is. Because that, that same situation would play out exactly the same on Saturday, you know, at insert college stadium, right? Yeah. Um, and that is because for plays in – where a person has an opportunity to possibly become a runner, they have to become one for it to be to, for it to be a fumble. Um, and that's be, in to, the way I would draw it up. That makes sense, at least to me, and it might not make sense to anyone else. Is they're different because of the opportunity presented. Um, the open field catch, you have an opportunity to possibly gain more yardage after you complete the catch. So with that is also the risk of once you become a runner, it is a fumble, right? Um, but then we have to define what makes you a runner, and there has to be a time element. They have to make a uh, move common to the game after control and uh, two feet down. Whereas going out of bounds, the only thing that matters there is the catch process. They're not going to continue upfield. Gotcha. Um, so we don't. Um, I hope that makes sense to anyone. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's the way it was explained to me because I had the same question, albeit a few years ago. <laughs> Not, really? Yeah. Oh, cause I'm a nerd, man. Like, Oh dude. I, okay. I see these Gavin and Sam, and like, I shit you not. This one. I shit you not. It was after, I think it was the K state, uh, big 12 championship game. There was a rule. I went to Tyler. It's great having Tyler. I can go to him on Monday morning <laughs> and I could have a laundry. Line. 
I could have a laundry list of things that happen on Saturday at K-State game, and you're like, oh, that's rule 12.4.B. Like, he, he is <laughs> on that shit, man. He knows his stuff. It's crazy. Please tell me you only give him the rules and make him actually read it himself. No, no I'm not, I'm not just that much of a jerk. <laughs> um, God, I'm glad you aren't. <laughs> I'll say this. If Caleb were somebody like one of my former – like, I used to work at – K-State, I used to run intramural sports there, and my favorite thing about intramural sports was teaching college kids who, like me, started officiating and they liked it, so they wanted to go beyond intramural sports, so like that mentorship program. If Caleb was one of those kids who was working even like the lowest level of football and they asked me a question, I would do that. I'd be like, well, according to this rule, that's why. <laughs> well, what does that rule say? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> you, got, you got a fucking phone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I keep going to ask him Keisha questions because that's what I do. I do JV, junior high stuff. And he's like, dude, I haven't done that in like two years. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you still know, and but yeah. some things are changed. It, yeah. in, in a couple years, you know, things change. They change the rules a lot. Like, it, you know, every year they're adding stuff. Mm-hmm. It's probably good, honestly, to kind of reset your mind when you go to a different sport or whatever and start with a fresh. So you pick up new rules, rule changes, but also aren't like having that moment of hesitation in the game. Like, shit, was this two years ago's ruling or like five? Or crap. What's the catch now? <laughs> yeah, there, there have been, there have been times, um, and it actually is pretty funny because when I did work high school football, at least here in Kansas, I was a referee, you know, the white hat, the guy that's by title in charge. Um, and to get more of those intramural kids involved, the rest of my crew, the other four were always K-State students that worked with me in intramural sports. So we were just this goon squad of me and four college kids working 4A, 5A, 6A high school football in Kansas. And it was great. Until we had those plays where people would like come to me, I'd be like, okay, so this is Friday. We enforce that this way, correct? Right? Right? You're the one that only wears high school football, so I'm relying on you to make sure I'm not (laughs) (laughs) enforcing this incorrectly. Uh, that only happened a few times, but there was there was there was times where I'm like, "Mm, okay, yeah, we're gonna go with it. Uh, (laughs) so you're saying you make mistakes, right? All, all, <gasps> oh my goodness! Uh, I always love telling. I always love telling coaches like before the games. I'm like, listen, half of you are gonna hate my calls tonight, no matter what. Like, just mm-hmm. like no matter what, every call, half the crowd's gonna hate your call. So, what, no matter what's the worst spot you put yourself in, and then how yeah. you put yourself out. That's is, a good is question. There just, is there just one that you you knew you were screwed on it, like the <laughs> moment you called it? And that, keep in mind, like, I don't just want to put you on the spot. I'm a design engineer designing a product that's not going to work. So, like, we all make mistakes. But <laughs> but you are persistent enough to keep working on it, though. Yeah. I mean, I still officiate, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, boy. This is, you know, it didn't necessarily put me in a bad spot. But just it's most fresh in my memory. Um. And it was a pure and simple situation of not trusting myself in the moment, right? And not really taking in um, the totality of what was going on. To set the scene, it's 
Northern Colorado at Sacramento State. Um, eventual Big Sky con- uh, Conference regular season champion Sacramento State um, against not eventual champion Northern Colorado. It's later in the game. I'm on Northern Colorado's sideline. They are not doing well. They just want to go home. We had a 7.30 p.m. Pacific kickoff in balmy Sacramento, California. Everyone's tired. We're sweaty. We're whatever. Northern Colorado kid runs towards my sideline, um, gets tripped up a little bit, lands on a Sacramento State player, tries to extend. As he's extending, he starts to roll off. And then hindsight being 2020, knee hits, he extends, ball comes out. Sacramento State falls on top of it. Because of how he rolled over, I couldn't, I didn't have the best angle, but my gut in the moment said, he's down. They're losing by 35 points. He's down. (laughs) (laughs) But then, (laughs) but then, the nerd ref part of my brain overruled my gut and said, no, if you don't know, we make this a fumble and replay can fix it. Sure. Beanbag comes out. I rule fumble. Sacramento State jumps on it. Kill the clock. Point the other way. Unhappy sideline behind me. The uh, head coach from Northern Colorado, rightfully so, very upset, comes up yelling, screaming. State stays on the sideline. Not too demonstrative, but he's yelling. He was down. You know he was down. The set, whatever. Coach, I don't want to use names. Uh, <laughs> he, I said, you may be right, but I had enough doubt to let it play out and replay will fix it. And you know what he says to me? Tyler, this is the big sky. We, on a good day, have three angles. <laughs> <laughs> I just look at him and go, "Shit, yeah." And you know it. We got no look at it. We got offensive line butts in the way. We got helmets in the way. The handheld. We had four angles that day. The handheld was on the opposite sideline. Oh no! End zone camera got washed out by an offensive lineman finishing his block in front of this play. And the high angle just just can't see it. Nothing. It's just a mass of bodies. So I'm sitting there. I'm looking up. You know, I'm doing the forbidden thing of looking at the jumbotron. And <laughs> next to the coach who's taking a butt kicking. And now I'm doing this. And then, you know, I'm sitting here. Replay comes over. I, I don't have a look. Play stands. I'm like. Oh boy! <laughs> Did you go over and apologize? You had to have apologized to him. So, oh a, man, yeah. In in yeah. a way, the apology yeah. was preemptive. Of yeah, the, I had enough. I you're probably right, but <laughs> <laughs> my referee makes the announcements uh, after review of the ruling. The field stands. First down, Sacramento State. Sacramento State faithful to start, you know, hooting, hollering, cheering. Northern Colorado assistants are all just cussing me out. <laughs> Head coach saunters over, hands on his hips, give me the most disappointed dad look he can ever give. He goes, I told you. <laughs> I feel like, like that had to have hurt worse than any like, <laughs> like, 
it, it, it followed up was he goes, you know, I'm not really all that upset because we've been really bad today. He goes, but that didn't help. <laughs> right. I'm sorry. Oh, no. That's hilarious. Oh, man. Oh, That's no. Wow. So, honestly, speaking of the big sky, um, there's a lot of beautiful country out there, you know, Montana, Montana State, oh, like yeah. State, all that. Do you have, like, a favorite – I don't want to, like, say basketball because, like, basketball is all indoors. But do you have, like, a favorite place that you ever ref? Oh, we talk about this all the time. <laughs> well, I'm glad I brought it up then. Yeah, we, 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 sit in our, we sit in the office and we bring up, like, locations, like, oh, that's a yeah. beautiful stadium. <laughs> so, I actually – I've had them both, but I haven't been to – I've only been to the Big Sky for two seasons. Um, okay. I haven't been to either of the Montana schools yet. Oh, really? Uh, in fact, they're the only two that I have not been to their site yet. Uh, that, that's crazy. I know. That's it's just the way the schedule worked out. Um, also, just a um, – you mentioned you had Montana. Um, have you ever caught a penalty on a guy named Isaiah Childs before? Because he went to one ago. Just curious. I did not – have a foul against him. I did find him before the game because doing the scouting report before the game, um, I was like, oh, there's a kid from Wamigo on this team. Yeah. So during yeah. the pregame out there, I'm like, Isaiah, right? Looks at me like I'm just crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Tyler, nice to meet you. What brought you here from Wamigo? He's like, I live in Manhattan, man. He's like, what are you doing here? Same thing you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no i just came out here for kicks and giggles uh, <laughs> uh no i didn't but okay i gotta think about this the most scenic that i've worked at is weber state for football uh it's guy, isn't it at the base of a mountain oh weber yeah state stadium is so cool i'm a slut for mountain views yeah I'm looking this up. It's great. It's a beautiful <laughs> place. I also have a good feeling associated with that because I had Montana at Weber State. It was like the Big Sky game of the week. It was a slugfest. Like you talk about a heavyweight FCS bout. That game was awesome. Um, Shout everyone to was there. They showed out. Montana fans traveled really well to it. It was just just an excellent football game, atmosphere, everything. Um You've been at K- Kibby Stadium, haven't you? The Idaho Dome? Yes. Yeah. That's a weird such place, a, man. <laughs> such a nostalgic dome. That That is a... Kibby Dome. It, <laughs> it's so that weird is, because it's just so tall. Um, it's just an obnoxiously high roof. Smart uh, <laughs> ceilings in, man. Yeah. It's cool. Don't be wrong. It's really cool. That's, that's the other interesting thing about the big sky is there's three schools that play indoors uh, in the big sky. Um, both the Idaho's, Idaho, yeah. both play indoors, and Northern Arizona plays oh, indoors. Yeah. Um, and Northern Arizona's stadium, they do a really, really good job with just the production, and they were one of those teams that was, like, like this past season, super competitive, but just couldn't finish games. Like, all their games were one-score games. I, I worked... 
I've never felt more exhausted than Montana State at Northern Arizona this past year, where the final was fifty-six, fifty-three. Good lord! Wow. God bless. Hundred plus points. Um. Oh, is it? Nice. You showed me this game. This game was wild. Mm-hmm. So it's indoors, which is nice. They show out incredible atmosphere. It's probably the loudest game I've been a part of was was that one. But Northern Arizona is the second highest elevation of any college football stadium behind only <laughs> no. Memorial at University of Wyoming. So when oh, I told no. you, when I tell you. <laughs> I almost died on that football field. <laughs> I don't know how the players do it because I was struggling. Oh, wow. It got to the point where I was like, I'm lightheaded. This is crazy. I guess this is a good question. So what is go- what goes into your prep for a Division One football game? Um, like, you know, leading up to a game. Like, let- let's start off with you come back. Um, you start with Monday. Like, your week of then heading to the game, then finishing your game. Okay. So – Assuming that my Monday is starting after working a previous game, yeah, um, we will have already gotten our foul report in, and uh, we'll have Monday. I will usually start the process of like looking at the game on our film review DV Sport uh, for my own review and with with a crew, like our crew breaks it down we use google docs spreadsheet to like talk about different plays ask questions make just general observations kind of a self-grading self-review because i'm me i also chart every single play where i think that i'm the primary because i'm on the line of scrimmage i'm a headline judge uh so i'm spotting the ball like where's the play end that sort of thing on a lot of plays so i'm grading my own spots Uh, I do that for every single play. So I review it pretty in detail for that. Um, We usually have that done, completely discussed. If anything needs to be talked about in more detail than just on our Google Doc, people will call each other um, on the crew. Usually done, put to bed at the absolute latest by Tuesday evening. Our grades for the game get released Wednesday uh, late afternoon. Um, Another drawback for me, being a person that lives in Manhattan, Kansas, that works in the Big Sky Conference, I'm the only person in the central time zone on staff. Um, So they do all this stuff, and it's like past my bedtime, right? (laughs) Like Everyone else is like, oh, yeah, I check – you know, the guys that live in the Pacific time zone. Oh yeah. I checked the grades during my lunch break at work. It's like, I'm at home. <laughs> 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 uh, or at least preparing to get home. So Wednesday we do that. And then it's immediately anything that needs to be discussed that we didn't already catch on our own. Um, that was brought up in grades and we send out um, logistics uh, for the next game. Where's the hotel? Who's taking care of um, rental cars? What flights are y'all in, on coming in, leaving? 
um, just to make sure that we're all on the same page getting there. Because, uh, like, I live in Kansas. My referee and side judge both live in the L.A. area. Line judge and umpire are from the Vegas area. Field judge is from Colorado Springs. And our back judge is from Oakland. So we're all over, right, coordinating, getting to each site. Um, Friday, we get in. Um, unless it's a late Saturday kickoff, and by late, I mean like 6 p.m. or later, the conference mandate is that we're in the city um, where we're going to be officiating uh, Friday evening at the latest. Hmm. So I, because I'm so far away from everything, I fly out Friday morning and I get there Friday late afternoon, check into the hotel. We have our video pregame Friday night followed by dinner or vice versa, depending on when people get in and we either do dinner as a crew first or uh, we do our Friday uh, night pregame. And it's usually 90 minutes at the most. Um, And it's hammering out stuff that needs to be discussed in a group uh, type session from the previous game. Weekly training tape from our supervisor and then talking about plays and things that we need to be prepared for for the upcoming game. Then we either go to dinner or if it's already done dinner, we go to our rooms, right? Uh, Saturday morning for me, (laughs) I'm an old soul. I like to walk. I like to explore. So I'll just, if I have time, um, I'll go on like an hour or two long, uh, just walk around the uh, city that we're in. We don't always stay in the same city that uh, the game is in. Depends on where we're at and what's available. We'll go for a walk, you know, eat breakfast, that sort of thing. Most of the time, we actually do get mostly dressed at the hotel and then take their, their rental cars to the stadium. Uh, we're at the stadium three hours prior to kickoff. Uh, once we're at the stadium, I, we walk the field. Um, everyone has their own duties that they have to do before the game. Most of my actual pregame duties don't start until 90 minutes prior to kickoff. So from three hours, so for for 90 minutes, I'm mostly stretching, warming up, jogging around the field, doing some just mental reps and just getting blood flowing and stuff like that. And then I'm out there 90, 90 minutes along with the line judge and field judge before the game starts to make sure that nothing stupid happens during warmups. Because I don't know if you remember, a handful of years ago, there was a bunch of issues of before the official warmups when players were like just in t-shirts and stuff, there was like fights and stuff so instead of you know putting the onus on game administration or coaches the ncaa is like no officials you have to be on the field 90 minutes before the game kicks off that's such a long time it is an ungodly long time um especially when you're in the big sky conference and either a not a lot of players are out there until the 60 minute mark b the players that are out there they're not causing issues it's usually the special teams. At, at no point, yeah, it's usually the special teamers. They're not the kickers aren't starting fights. Like kickers <laughs> <laughs> probably aren't sober. Oh, if I had a dollar for every time somebody like even went to the wrong side of the field in that ninety to sixty minute 
uh, Mark. I'd have exactly one dollar from this. <laughs> so. Did you? Were you anticipating a fight to break out? You're like, oh, this guy's on the other side. Like, something's oh, he, about he, to go. He, he went to the other side to dap up his boy because they went to high school together. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just stuff now, like now that. The real, right? question, the real question is: Is there any part of you that would just let it happen? Like, would you kind of want to see it? No. (laughs) To answer your question more thoroughly, I don't want to see it. But if it gets to a point where I'm going to have to physically restrain someone, I'm not I'm not about it. (laughs) Especially later when they've got pads and helmets on, adding to the fact they're already six inches and three hundred pounds more than me. No, I'm that's why, is, why do players when they go to punch they, they they punch with their hands they don't use their helmets like you're swinging at your hand at a hard object it doesn't make sense to me using a helmet is a weapon ah got oh and so it's assault carries significant penalties <laughs> <laughs> not on the field i feel like you'd want to slap you know yeah you like i feel like a slap in the earpiece would be so much louder than just a punch you're hurting yourself more like these guys aren't that smart man they're not that smart well i mean when 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 you're like worked out to the point of wanting to hit somebody you're probably not thinking about that yeah, that's probably true yeah you're probably right <laughs> uh, but you know like in this 90 minute thing the other in the in the back half of the season you know what happens from 90 to 60 before kickoff Nothing. Want to know why? Because we're in the Big Sky Conference. It's snowing. <laughs> it's five degrees outside. <laughs> Nobody is warming up in shorts in Bozeman, Montana on December 11th. <laughs> that was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, so beans tells me that you uh you did some stuff at the pro bowl is that correct allegedly 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 what what did you do at the pro bowl tyler um well so they did flag football this year yes and because of my work nationally at the intramural and nai level of flag football as well as some involvement with nfl flag um the nfl went through the nfl flag and said we need people to referee this new flag football version of the pro bowl um they didn't want to use their own people um and they wanted people that had connections and experience with at least nfl flag stuff that also had some tackle officiating experience to in their own words, handle the athleticism that was presented, which remember that little phrase that I just said, handle the athleticism. <laughs> I'm going to talk that in a second. Uh, so whenever the NFL sent that down, uh, the folks at NFL flag reached out to me and they presented it and they said, hey, this is what we're doing this year. We, w- we would like you to be a part of this. Um, and I think uh, it's probably the easiest yes I've ever given to any question I've been asked. <laughs> did you have to send in a resume for that? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but did you send in yeah. a resume? Okay, all yeah, right. Yeah, they, they asked me because while the NFL flag was getting the people, they still had to clear it through the NFL office, right? They still yeah. had to clear it through uh, Troy Vincent, um, yeah. the VP of operations for, um, for the NFL. 
super cool dude, by the way. Got to got to meet him Saturday prior. He's he's a cool he's a cool guy. Um, but yeah, and then they just you know they then we met a bunch of times as a crew to hammer out what the rules are going to be, um, which that's another story all on its own. Uh, and then they got us to Vegas. They put us up. Saturday, we did the walkthrough with the teams and were there to hopefully answer any questions they had. Were there a lot? No. And really? I that's shocking. Asked, wow. That's, that's the problem is I think had they asked more questions, the product Sunday would have been, at least the first game, would have been smoother. No. Uh, from my perspective, and it probably was, I, I haven't watched what it looked like on TV yet. Um, I keep forgetting. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot it happened, you know? <laughs> oh, no, no, never forget it happened. <laughs> but I know that first game did not play well. Yeah. From my perspective, it, it felt disjointed. No one, like, it just felt very bad. And then it was exacerbated by the fact that things kept changing throughout the day. Um, you know, rules, rule, they, when you have something new like this, when you're putting flag football in the hands of not only NFL players, but former NFL players in the Manning brothers and uh, DeMarcus Ware and Ray Lewis, yeah. trying to get these guys to play a game like, well, why don't we make the rules this instead to make it more fun? The rules kept changing, like literally even up to the day during the during Sunday, we changed some of the timing rules because the game was taking too long. Because production was like, okay, we need to speed this up. You know, Kyrie. Wow, production crew has more weight than the rules. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, So that presented a unique challenge. But ultimately, it was really great because it was this perfect balance of, by and large, the players had a lot of fun with it, from my perspective, while also still competing very hard. Yeah. (laughs) And it made it exceptionally rewarding, but it also made it the hardest thing I've ever done. Cause I don't know if y'all know this, but NFL players are fast. <laughs> like, <laughs> like there's, there's what you think fast is. And then there's standing on the sideline as Tyreek Hill runs at you fast. <laughs> and they're not the same. <laughs> It, it, it's one of those where like, a great story I have from this is they decided finally in the third game to be smart and the AFC decided, Hey, maybe we should make Tyreek the guy that rushes the quarterback. Oh, I saw that. And that was such a smart idea. It was great. And then he does. And so the rule was, if you're going to rush the quarterback, save for their fire zone blitz, which is a different rule, special thing. But for normal plays, if you're going to rush the quarterback, you have to be at least seven yards off of the line of scrimmage at the snap. So Tyreek's lining up, and I'm the guy that's marking this, right? I'm the guy standing at seven yards. He's a good yard and a half downfield for me. So he's at eight and a half. He rushes the quarterback. Whole NFC sideline blows up. They already used their fire zone blitz. He was too close. That's illegal. I said, guys, he was at seven yards. No, he wasn't. You're right. He was at eight and a half. <laughs> So finally, the defensive coordinator for the NFC is DeMarcus Ware. He's hilarious. He's just having a good old time. Um, I cannot emphasize enough how vastly different each sideline was. The NFC sideline with Eli and DeMarcus 
was like guys at recess. They were you could yeah there. you could <laughs> see that on the TV. But then on the AFC sideline was Ray Lewis, who only has one speed, and Peyton, who's one of the most competitive humans ever. <laughs> uh, so is that Demarcus? Like, nah, guys, he was good. Like that was legal, and I forget who it was, but I'll never forget one of the players. Like, man. Like, he still catches NFL players off guard with how fast he is. And mm-hmm. they play with that guy every year. Um, so were you, were you running right beside him on the field? Or, you know, were you? Were you? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm standing there, and the ball is snapped, and I look, and he's already pulling the, the quarterback's flags. I'm like, hmm, that's crazy. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Like, this isn't even on, like, the same level because Tyreek's, like, top, like, 1% of 1% athletes. But I'll never forget watching Semi Ojale play uh, Goodland in the uh, Kansas High School Basketball State, like, tournament. And, like, Semi Ojale goes on to win the American, like, player of the year and, like, get drafted yeah. in the second round of the NBA. And it's it's literally just, like, you look at him and it's like, wow, this dude is, like, I thought I knew what D1 athletes looked like, and you don't really know till you see them in person competing against normal people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's you're right. You just you don't know it until you're there. Even if you're in the stands, it's when you're on that same field or court with them, it is so different. And it, it the difference, not quite, but close. The gap between a good high school player and a division one player is sizable and the gap between a good division one player and a pro player is of similar size from my experience at least in football like there are some dudes some big fast strong coordinated guys in the big sky and none of them would have fit on they'll that be, they'll be selling insurance after they graduate <laughs> <laughs> they're, you know they're gonna get the some of them are still gonna get drafted right, right. A, a, some yeah. of them are still gonna get drafted they're gonna have pro careers some will be successful in the pros you know you have cooper cup eastern washington's yep. finest um but again like those guys ain't then going mm-hmm. and standing toe-to-toe with justin jefferson tyreek hill Sauce Gardner. Sauce is a rookie. He, that guy's <sighs> young and he's so good. <laughs> so who is who is the most? I have kind of a twofold question. Who is the most impressive you aside probably from Tyree Hill? You're probably gonna say Tyree Hill. Who's the most impressive you watched at the Pro Bowl? But who was the coolest person at the Pro Bowl? I have a few answers. Okay, all right. I, I'm gonna enjoy this one. Okay, I'll start with coolest. And coolest as far as like just entertaining and friendly in a fun way. Uh, Zadarius Smith, linebacker really? for Wow. And I say that because the whole game, literally all three games, the whole time, he was talking all the smack, que- questioning every single thing that I, but like, you know, like he was funny about it, right? Yeah. Super, super funny. He was the one who watched the uh, uh, Hughes check play. I ruled him short of the goal line. In the yeah, I remember that. <laughs> he, was, so he walks out there and he's like, no, 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 you got it wrong. No, with me now. And he grabs both my arms 
and he tries to get me to lift both my arms like a touchdown. He goes, you have to, you have to put both of them up. Put both of them up. <laughs> and I, I'm like, no, man. Short, whatever. And then during that sequence, an AFC player is like, no, I get to like, don't let them uh, influence you. You said, I, I look, I forget who it was. I'm like, no, no, he's short. We're not changing anything. They're just fixing the clock. He's still short. It's still fourth down. And the guy's like, oh, all right, respect. Daps me up. After he daps me up, Zedaria's like, what, you're not going to dap me up? That's messed up. I'm like, I just let you maul me on the <laughs> and do anything about it. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. But then we go off the sideline and he's just, just a fun, gooberish guy. Uh, which I, I respected. Um, coolest as far as like, he's just calm, not a like just fun out there, having fun, not a mean or negative bone in his body. Uh, Derek Carr. He was really cool talking to him. Um, you know, obviously the, that situation probably had a bit more personal like poignancy for yeah. playing in Vegas with everything going on. But he was super cool. Um, I noticed during the walkthroughs on Saturday, he was doing some like, inter- like changing his arm, like some, I hate using this term, but Mahomes esque things. Like changing. Oh, don't arm. hate it. Don't hate it, man. It's real life, baby. It's real life. <laughs> um, but so I asked him, I was like, you know, I noticed you're doing some, some flag football, like savvy vet stuff during walkthroughs. Did you play? He's like, oh, yeah, I grew up playing flag football. We played it until I got to tackle, and then I played tackle football, and then something like that. So he's like, "This is just so cool." And then he brought up like, you know, playing in Vegas, playing flag football. So he's like, "I feel like a kid again." And when he was warming up, that dude slings the ball. I can only imagine some of these other guys, but like he throws it hard. <laughs> you can hear it like zip. Wow. Um, person I was most impressed by. Well, I talked about how Tyreek Hill is unfathomably fast. Um, Justin Jefferson is impressive with what he can do like coordination wise he's fast he can jump he's got soft but strong hands he, he always knows where his body and his feet are at at all times so he's really really good but honestly and, and the reason that I think the most impressive person is A because he's a rookie and B because I Literally cannot describe to you how he does it. But Sauce Gardner plays the hardest position on the football field. Being a corner in the NFL is a mm-hmm. lose-lose situation. And he's so good. Like, I, I, and I don't know how. I can't explain like what he does. But he's good at it. Yeah. Arguably one of, if not the best. And he's 20? 21? Yeah. He's real young. I know when he came out of college, he was such a young buck coming out. Mm-hmm. He's so fluid. I, I've never seen. Yes. Usually corners are like choppy. They have like choppy feet. I've never seen him look choppy ever. It's such a. It looks such in motion, like a movie screen. It's so. It's mm-hmm. so awesome to watch. I can't imagine what it'd be like in person. So, similar to that conversation we were having about elite athletes earlier, like those top top level guys just make it look so easy compared to what, you know, just what regular people, even other elite athletes that aren't doing the same thing, just the top, the top of the top at their position, which you saw a lot of, they just make it look 
so fucking easy compared to a high school number one receiver, a division one number one receiver, or just mm-hmm. anything like that. They just don't have a comparison. Mm-hmm. Dur- during walkthroughs and, and the walkthroughs on Saturday, they're doing some red zone plays. And me and a couple of the other officials were, they knew we knew they were wrapping it up. So we were actually standing off the end line behind the end zone. And <laughs> they had, I forget his name, but, uh, one of the nephews of the Mannings was out there with him throwing the ball. Like Arch? Was it Arch? Was it Arch? No, it was. He's he was little. Oh, uh, okay, okay, okay. Um, or maybe it was. I don't know. Maybe it was the son. I don't know. One of the, I forget honestly, and I feel bad for forgetting because I remember the moment, but I forget the kid. Um, and he throws this ball in the back of the end zone. First of all, he's a child, and he's throwing a full-size NFL ball better than I can throw a college-size ball. He's which a tells you a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he's a Manning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and it's walkthrough. Some of these players go out there. They don't have their cleats on. <clears throat> Justin Jefferson's got uh, Jordan 1s on that are very clearly like his casual show-up-to-the-stadium shoes. You know, they're perfect. He's on the field with them for some reason. They don't got any creases on him. He's walking, jogging around to make sure. And it's they grass get, too. Yeah, to make sure they don't get the creases, whatever. And he just goes up, like flat-footed, like walking, and then just levitates, grabs the ball, <laughs> literally like this, like not even like in front, like this. <laughs> Bring it down, lands flat-footed at the back of the end zone. Keeps walking, tosses the ball, and just walk. I'm like, <laughs> it, it legitimately looked like a glitch in a video game. Like he's just <laughs> all of a sudden he's four feet in the air, grabs the ball one hand, it comes back down, lands exactly where he started from somehow. Keeps going. <laughs> <In three times. laughs> oh man. It was, yeah. it was great. Elite athlete's going to elite athlete. Yeah. <laughs> you got to give yourself some credit here, Tyler. So, um, you know, you've talked about all these elite athletes and the difficult things you've had to do on a football field. Can we get a rough estimate at, you know, your 40-yard dash, your vertical? Like, what, what are you bringing to the table when you step on the field? Um, what is your combine right now? Yeah, like, <laughs> combine week. Give us your measurables. I can do 225 maybe three times. Okay. Um, okay. Hey, that, that's better than some of the guys. That's five more times than what I can do. Negative. <laughs> that's impressive. <laughs> Drop it. <laughs> um, I've never run a times 40. Me uh, never? Wow. Well, no, that was just live. Again, baseball. We did 60. Yeah. That's the length oh, of that's true. Yeah. I'm just second. And yeah. even then, I can't even remember my 60 time. Like, that's, that's another <laughs> lifetime ago. I'm old. And, oh, old. Old. I'm, Assuming I'm older than y'all, I know I'm older than Caleb. Um, well, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I used to, with confidence, say when players would talk about it, like, oh, did you play? No, but I'm the fastest guy in stripes out here. <laughs> I can, I can run. I'm relatively athletic, but I can't say that anymore because the back judge on my crew is a former NFL player. 
Oh, Mac Judge on my Big Sky crew used to play for the Cowboys. He was a DB for the Cowboys. You got a name? I want to see if I can pull this out of the hat. uh, Courtney Brown. I know Courtney Brown. Yeah. I've heard of him. Yeah. And And he's just out here officiating. Oh, yeah. This dude, okay, he's older than me. And this dude's got like, he looks like he can still play. He's like maybe 5% (laughs) body fat, just shredded to death. Super nice guy. Really awesome to be around. I, I love having him on my crew, but like it's like, man, <laughs> I can't I can't even have that anymore. I can't even be the most athletic. I can't even be the most athletic <laughs> So who is um are there some young bucks? Like we're seeing a lot of old in high school. I'm speaking in high school relatively. Mm-hmm. You see you see a lot of older generation of people officiating right now. Is do you see a transition of youth at the college level? So this is a, this is this is going to sound really weird but there is simultaneously an influx of younger officials at the college level especially at the lower college level while also they're not being enough um and cuz what's happening is pro level is moving and hiring people earlier, younger. Yeah. Um, which then trickles down to Division One. They're hiring. Younger, like what's referenced as younger? 35, 30? I am th- almost certain I am at worst the second youngest person on staff. Um, there might be one, two, maybe three people my age are slightly younger. Um, in the big sky for football. Um, and I'm 32. So God, you're so old, man. You're that's such an old (laughs) people like you all day. I feel old. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy. Sorry. I don't mean to draw us off, but Tyler and I started the same day. Okay. All right. And like, we started our jobs the exact same day. We both met each other, like walking into the building. And so like, I look at Tyler. I'm like, oh, okay. He's probably like, you know, some position, you know, similar to what I am. I don't know. Like, I, I've never talked to this guy. I don't know what he's about. And like, he looks younger than me because, like, he looks like he just graduated. I don't know what I skincare. Say the same thing. I didn't. Want yeah, I don't know what skincare product Tyler uses, but I need it. And then, like, we're sitting there in the office, and then our boss, our direct boss, is like, yeah. So this is your boss, and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Like I tried to not at shock, but I was shocked. <laughs> and it's crazy because like I look older than him. So um advertise your sleep. Oh well. Um use SPF SPF facial moisturizer because you know, besides me being a pale ginger, uh the sun is usually uh not good in in uh large doses and you know, you know, don't take yourself too seriously. And I say that as someone who's just dangerously anxiety ridden. Yeah. Um, but, well, that's a, that's kind of a good point here. This is like a good point. Like being an official, how much anxiety, how much like do you, does it weigh on you? Does it, does it, does it bother you sometimes or how do you cope yeah. with that stress? Um, it, it, it definitely bothers me. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a naturally empathetic person um, Mm -hmm. which is hard for me to not necessarily turn that off 
but to dial it down a bit um, during games, right? And the reason I say not turn it off is because it helps me tremendously when talking to players and coaches. Um, that's probably my, if I were to pick like the strongest part of my game, uh, especially in football, is I feel like I communicate with players and coaches better than the average bear, even at my level. Um, mm-hmm. And I try to say that with as much humility as possible, but it's something I pride myself on, is having that empathy of, or that balanced empathy of understanding where they're coming from and why they're upset and being able to communicate with them in a way to where I'm not, it's not unnecessarily confrontational. Yes. Mm-hmm. I have to be firm. I have to put, you know, foot down line in the sand sort, sort of thing when it comes to certain things, but having even just a modicum of empathy, uh, helps uh, a lot. Um, but then with that comes the, you know, the pressure, pressure and the anxiety of performance uh somebody who's as competitive as me it it doesn't it being being the young guy is both a blessing and a curse it's a blessing because i have i have more time um you know i have more time to fine-tune it just because i'm younger the law of averages would say that i would be in better shape than some of the more uh veteran people um the the flip side of that is with youth with some coaches and some players and even some supervisors and other officials comes the automatic speed bump of he looks young he doesn't know what he's doing he's not experienced so i get you know that right off the bat is usually an issue of just the automatic assumption that uh i don't belong there so to mm-hmm. speak right um so you in in add that and because of the expectations I put on myself for performance, it just, it weighs on you. Um, and when I first started, uh, I actually did go through, uh, some therapy for it to help cope with it better because mm-hmm. I was like, either one of the two things has to happen. Either I need to stop officiating or I need to find a way to fix this. And I didn't want to stop officiating because I loved it. I just didn't love what it did to me sometimes. Yeah. Um, so I went through it and it, it helped. It helped a lot. Um, helped me institute some things that I do personally that keep me grounded, keep me, you know, mentally fresh. This is going to blow some of y'all's minds, but my 90%, I can name about, maybe not that much, 69% of. That's, that's a good percent. It's a solid uh, percent. Yeah. It's a great percent. It's a, it's a nice percentage. Uh, yeah. 69% of the NFL games that I watched this year was on the little screen in the back of the Delta headrests on the flight back. And by watch this year, I mean until I fell asleep, flying back mm-hmm. Sunday morning after my games. Because once I got back, I was done. No more football. I'm not watching my game film unless there's a play that like the conference uh, supervisor needs addressed immediately, which... Knock on wood, thank goodness, and did not happen to me this year or last year. Um, yeah. Uh, just take a break. Go home. You know, see my fiance and daughter and dog and cat and all that. And go into the office and flip off Caleb and go sit down at my desk and then yep. start hammering stuff out. And then finally, Monday night 
is when I allowed myself to uh, dive back into the game. Because otherwise it was like, okay, we got game film, I'm going to download it to my iPad, I'm going to watch it on the plane home. No. <laughs> so, because guess what? I sit down, I look at it, oh man, I missed that play. Yeah. I can't go back in time. Yeah. I'm not going to email the coach, sorry, I missed this play. No. <laughs> <laughs> I can learn from it. But it's it's much it's easier to learn from it when I'm already in that state of the game's done we're done I'm at home I'm in Manhattan I'm no longer in Sacramento I'm no longer in uh, Pocatello Idaho I'm no longer in San Luis Obispo I'm in Manhattan Kansas game's over I'm gonna watch I'm gonna be very very meticulous I'm gonna be very hard on myself but I'm gonna learn from it as opposed to letting it weigh me down and just that simple change like helped me out tremendously uh, of waiting to to review those things uh, no i still have those moments where it's like you know i get really down on myself if i've got two or three plays which is kind of funny to think about you know you're on the line of scrimmage you're making hundreds of decisions in a game and if i miss two plays i'm i'm, I'm not happy yeah um, yeah yeah in in, in the moment in the game, I would say that there is an anxiety there as well. However, it's different because it's that fight or flight response. It's that pressure hopefully creates diamonds. Right. Um, you just got to yeah. use it healthily and drink water and sleep. <laughs> and at the end of the day, know that. The other things. human. Breathe, breathe, breathe. Once in a while. So, Tyler, I did want to ask you a couple questions, considering that you work with Caleb, and um, we on this podcast, at least some of us, I'm going to throw Caleb under the bus a lot here, because some of us on this podcast are rational human beings, and I'm happy that you have at least doubled or tripled the amount of rational human beings we have on this podcast. Um, so th these are some things that we've had come up in the past and I would just like some clarification because there's been okay. some confusion. Um, okay. And these can be a little bit quicker. Um, would you consider tornadoes to be overrated? You live in the Midwest. You understand. Like, would you consider just without context that's presented to you? Just yes or no. Are tornadoes overrated? Yes. No. If you have to answer on yes. A, on a national scale. On a, so that that makes it even more confusing. I'm just gonna say no, no, they're not overrated. <laughs> no. Oh. 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 All right, explain yourself. <laughs> um, Joplin <laughs> Chapman. So I watched the tornado go down Main Street of Wamigo, and you couldn't tell. So like, I like they, they got no street credit to me whatsoever. Literally, there was no credit on the street. But <laughs> well, that's that uh, freaking tree on a uh, poplar. Yeah, there was the two teachers that got like blown around inside that little or outside the school too. But other than that, okay. I thought that was cool. the end of days, man. I was like in the basement <laughs> of uh, Beans. What what's the building you used to work at, Wamigo? The rec center. Yeah. I was in the rec center basement and everyone was like making a prayer circle for the town. And I and like I have no Wi-Fi because it's like a cement basement. And so I'm just like, oh, like the town is gonna get freaking Chapman. Like, okay, we're done. <laughs> well, this is Joplin. 
So I'll explain myself here. They're not overrated because they're still short of hurricanes, which their size and how they move are easier to predict and prepare for the most violent natural phenomena, what natural weather phenomena um, on earth. I understand that you didn't see it, but at the end of the day, it is just wind. So <laughs> unless it kicks up dirt, debris and other stuff, you're not going to see it. You know what? I can buy that. Yeah, no, I, I understand that's the, that's the, you know, the line that you tiptoe with all this stuff. Like I understand my, where, where I come from with it is like, when you talk about a hurricane or like <laughs> other things, people from not the Midwest assume like, Oh, there's a tornado warning in Kansas. Like the entire state is like blown away and legitimately being killed right now. And like reality, like a tornado, the majority of tornadoes, if they hit you, which is a tiny possibility is like a couple blocks wide at like, the majority mm-hmm. of them. You can get the, okay. like, the outliers. It, but this this comes I, from my Italian grandmother who, like, every time there's a tornado warning, asks, like, if we're okay. Like, if she sees it on the weather, she just assumes we're, like, doomed. And it's like, yeah. no, we're almost uh, never doomed. I, I have two more bean specials here for you. Uh, okay. These come from the man himself. Um, I know you, where this you work. Is. You work jobs, and you've mentioned like earning, you know, paychecks and things. When you work those jobs, would you consider cash to be an asset? Yes, I, I understand that you're Beans' boss, and he works for you. Yes, and uh, Be- Beans might have to explain himself on this one because he still comes to work. So clearly, he loves what he does because your payment means nothing. I tell Tyler, I, I I love what I do. I'm I'm happy to be here. I could work so, for free. I'm, I'm guessing you're asking the question because at some point Caleb said that cash is not an asset. Correct. <laughs> but confidently. <laughs> he is dumb. <laughs> you know, so well, we haven't completed his six month evaluation yet, which does come with a raise if he does well. Oh, uh, just wait for the last one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, well, fuck. It, we'll just go right there. Um, uh, okay. you, oh, God damn it! Sorry. Uh, so, wh- what's bigger, a sandwich that's cut diagonally or a sandwich that's cut horizontally? They're no, the same. No. <laughs> Tell that to your coworker. There, I I know he wrote that on the whiteboard in my office. <laughs> there was a good chunk of time and by chunk of time i mean literally until last week where the entirety of my whiteboard's existence was just caleb's thought vomit just calling <laughs> it thought vomit is generous yeah 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 because thought vomit precludes that the least attempted digestion first <laughs> Okay, I'll never forget. I'm sorry. I have to tell this story. Okay, on his whiteboard in his office. Oh God! I wrote on his board the drawing of the fuck around and find out diagram. The more yeah. you fuck around, the more you find out. And I use the words fuck around and the more you find out. Yeah. And our boss, our boss, our Tyler's and my, my boss. His supervisor is sitting in his office. He was in there for quite a while, but at the end, he, he saw it. <laughs> he saw it and looked at it. 
<laughs> he saw the fuck around and find out the diagram. So what level are you at, Tyler? <laughs> Depends what part of life you're talking about. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. I don't remember what he said to you. I can't remember. <laughs> oh, he just gave me a weird look. Like, you sure you want that on your board? Do you have other people come in here? I look up. I'm like, shit, <laughs> Caleb. <laughs> He did. He threw me directly under the bus. He was like, "Oh, that was good." Look, look, look! I panicked. I'm usually someone that's willing and able to fall on the sword for my people, and I say, and I think that my uh, resume speaks to that. However, in that moment, I just could not get creative enough. (laughs) The sad part. Go ahead. Times and like certain things, because like I, I love beans too. But there's just a certain level of like there's a stupidity threshold that you hit where like I'm no longer liable to like go to bat for you. Like you gotta fight your own battle here, bud. I that's the I will not defend you on this because I can't. And you gotta sink with the ship that you're on. Right, Bean? Oh, it's not sinking, like it's still afloat somehow. <laughs> okay, My flag's now. planted on it, so <laughs> your boss's eyebrows say differently upon the uh, <laughs> Oh god. No, I it I can see where y'all are coming from. However, <laughs> I particularly enjoy uh Caleb being in the office. If anything, he does do a good job, but he's also funny. Whether yeah. it be intentional or not, he is really funny. <laughs> the sad part is 90% of it, I mean it. <laughs> Don't tell him that. <laughs> Well, I, I, I do I do truly think that it is a, it is a sight to behold to see the interactions of the three of us, myself, Caleb, and the other coordinator. It's just considering that none of us had any say in the hiring of the others, and the fact that we all ended up together is like nothing short of a, like we are the definition of a miracle. Because yeah, it, it's hilarious. We like we all so we all started in the same time within two weeks of each other. Tyler. Is our boss is my boss? Our coordinators, us as coordinators, he didn't have a say in hiring us at all. He never interviewed us, never met us, like talked to us ever. We met on the first day, and it just seemed like you know we had our growing pains. Like the first week, you know, you just walking in, head down, get to your office, and then say a word. And then after that, it just like off the rails, man. It was berserk, and I couldn't have asked for a better boss. It, it, man worked so hard, but I'm just glad he has a personality. Well, I mean, hard work is all a matter of perspective. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah. yeah what's hard for some is not for others. So. <laughs> I don't want to give you too much shit, Beans. I had four levels of management. Uh, I was giving a presentation to four levels of management, like, tearing up above me today. Um, every level below that top level was also there. And um, to defend the reasoning for my design, instead of saying eliminating the human element, I uh, clarified that we were eliminating the human elephant. So <laughs> that uh, <laughs> took a turn for the worst. Nice. Um, they did not understand how an agricultural device and eliminating a human elephant would be helpful in any way to market the device. But that was fine. <laughs> It's Man, okay. you gotta look out for those human elephant hybrids. They're taking over. Of course, over yeah. Place. No, you can never be too careful. It is 2023, so. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, um, I, Beans, I guess um, your technology is uh, failing you. Is this correct? Dude, I, dude, my iPad 
is usually so great at holding a charge. And then just for some reason, it's at like 10%. I don't know. I don't know. He doesn't know. I don't know. No one's going to know. No. I mean, this is about the usual. I don't know. I don't know. It's at 10%, yeah, so though. I, I tell you what, I think this was such a good episode that we don't need to taint it with any. No, no we don't need to ruin our. <laughs> we, don't, we don't need to ruin this great episode with our, you know, knowledge of nothing. Yeah, man. Tyler, <laughs> thank you for the content. Yes. <laughs> you, sh- you saved us racking our brains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm here to help any way that I can. Um, this was fun. <laughs> I, I, thanks for thanks for having me. I appreciate the the uh, unfiltered questions, whether it be about life, officiating, or Caleb. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or, okay, rather, not really about Caleb, but Caleb's thoughts. Thoughts. <laughs> oh, so yeah, that's our. It's called the thought provoking moment of the week. Yes. yes. Oh God, do you have one of those? I do. Oh, yeah. let's go live. Oh, I do. Hang on, I gotta pull up my notes app. As you know, I have a notes app. Yeah, most iPhone yeah. users do. <laughs> well, you know, he, but you does does everybody not have a notes app full of their thoughts? Like, no. not of my thoughts. No, because again, I don't want to self incriminate. <laughs> Dude, my notes app has got weird stuff on it. Like, it'll be like, right. oh, I'm doing this rebuild. I need to remember which free agents to sign, so I write them all down because I can't remember. All right, so as my phone or as my iPad's at 5% here real quick. All right. What is some what are some things you don't want to hear from a doctor when you take your clothes off? What's that? LMFAO. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think a prescription will help this. It's not that cold in here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh Jesus! Uh, there we, we there we go. We ruined the episode. Yeah. Uh, wait, right, James, you haven't answered your own question. No, I did. I said well, there's no prescription that'll fix this. Yeah. Uh, this All is right, post- Tyler. Tyler's just sitting there like I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> every day, not once a week. <laughs> yeah, that that is true. I'm so glad there's, we should have done there a bit more. They're a bit more consistent, persistent. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to this six-month eval. It will be of utmost professionalism, and you know it. The door will be closed. <laughs> it's okay because now you know that he missed that fumble that one time, and you have that on him. Because oh, he there, there we go. Every day of work on you, but you got that one thing. Uh, I know for a fact he's gonna find that shit and like send it to you in an email. Like it's <laughs> like I I know it. Like that's just how he works. I like well, we were talking about James Bradbury today and like oh, what Jesus we could what we did with the ten million that we didn't sign him with, and he like told me that we signed some dude named Logan Stallworth. I know things. I know things. I know certain things. I research things. I, I yeah. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Yep. <laughs> all right. Well, all right, gentlemen. Who's got a last word? Tyler, you got a last word? Oh, sure. Um, last word. <laughs> Finish the episode strong. Uh, in all seriousness, this, this was a lot of fun. 
Um, I do appreciate the three of you having me on. Um, thank you, Caleb, for reaching out and getting me on, and Gavin and Sam for, for some reason, going along with Caleb. That was a good idea. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why you ever listened to him. But I guess the, the parting shot that uh, I'll give everyone is, you know, as a sports official and someone that works in youth and adult sports, there's, uh, there's, there's a lot of negativity that comes with sports a lot of where competition turns toxic so when you get an opportunity just just for a brief moment think about uh what it what it would be like to be the person on the other end you know whether it be the player that dropped the pass or the referee that missed the call or the coach that should have used a timeout or should have went for it on fourth down instead of uh, doing calling the most uh, cowardly punt in NFL history, Andy Reid. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they still won the game, so it doesn't matter, I guess. Um, but, you know, empathy goes a long way. Take care of one another, but most importantly, take care of yourself. Great words from a great official. Thank yeah, you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, he's used, he's used to hearing the negative. Boo! Boo! Ooh. There we go. Blues make me stronger. (laughs) Thanks again to everyone for listening today. And a very, very, very big thank you to Tyler for joining us again today. You were great. And thank you to Beans for bringing Tyler and honestly just starting this thing. This is a very good kickoff episode to season two of Flyover State Sports Show, baby. We're in season two. And for Everyone that's listening, thank you again for listening. You can follow us at underscore, underscore, F3S. That's underscore, underscore, F3S. All capitalizations. Stay frosty, everyone. We'll see you next week, and have a great rest of your day. Peace.